0: enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with cube from first arkansas bank and trust member fdic to groove with grovey
1: with an all-time great razorback quarterback
0: takes it cuts inside to the 10 to the 5 he'll score
2: touchdown win grovey Showing the great athletic ability. Did it his
0: way. Current Razorback Broadcast Analyst, Quinn Groby. Grooving with Groby is brought to you by Bell & Sward at 1011 Oak Street in Conway. From boots to suits, they have everything for the best-dressed man. Now, let's groove.
2: Okay, let's do. There were a number of times we had Quinn on this year, and I wasn't in a great mood. And he fakes it well, but I don't know that he was in a great mood. <laughs> but this is a reason to be joyous today, Quinn, even though the Razorback <laughs> football season is over and everybody else's is too. But the great Nick Saban has stepped down, and I'm not saying that Alabama is going to go in the toilet now all of a sudden, but let's be honest. It's got to be at least a little bit easier to beat them the next time Arkansas plays them now, right?
0: No, uh, 100%. Uh, absolutely. I mean, every coach, every administrator deep down is saying, yeah, it's good that that guy's leaving. Uh because he's just been so dominant over his his tenure at Alabama, and so yeah i'm I'm excited about it. I'm like, you know what the first time we catch a break from Alabama, not having him on the schedule, he leaves mm-hmm. I'm like, let's put him back on and see if we can go ahead and get one. <laughs> uh no, actually, let's just wait until they come back to the rotation um mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, he has been uh he's been a thorn in a lot of people's sides uh i you know he's gotten guys fired from l s u and Auburn several times multiple times and because they couldn't beat him. Uh, it's just a, a seismic shift in the landscape of college football. I don't know what they're going to do, but I I do believe this. I do believe that Nick didn't just wake up after the loss to Michigan and said, hey, you know, this is this is what I'm going to do. I think Alabama already has a plan in place. I think they know exactly where they're going to go. And Jimmy Sexton is going to be the puppeteer with all that. So <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how he – decides where his guys are going to go because when you talk about all the guys that can deal with that job, who can handle that spotlight, who can follow a legend like that, there's only a handful of guys that can probably really have the bravado to make that happen, Yeah, and I'm sure they know exactly where they're going to go.
2: Well, I just saw a tweet a minute ago before I came back in here and it suggested that the landing move to alabama is not happening
1: mm-hmm. so he, if he has announced he's returning to oregon and will not pursue the alabama job he will
2: pursue more money in his contract though i'm guessing <laughs> so uh all right so if no landing who's the, is there an obvious choice that makes perfect sense to you quinn
0: i don't know i don't know i don't know that there is an obvious choice i mean i think there are a handful of guys that you would take a look at like you would take a look at Dabo, but i think that's five years too late uh, you know his Clemson team is was the darling of college football, and he would have been a natural replacement, being a an alum, and and so so on and so forth. And then I think you just really got to start taking a look at the guys on Nick Saban's tree. I mean, you know, you know Sark, uh, Kiffin. I mean, both, both those guys would be guys that I, I'm sure that you would take a look at. Uh, but I, I think it could potentially be somebody outside of uh, Sab- Saban's. Um, tree as well because a lot of times when when leaders hire people they go the opposite direction of the person that just left and so i don't know if that's going to take place in this particular situation uh so you uh, know you know could a uh, could could now alabama go say all right jim harbaugh you know what do you think about it i don't oh. think that would happen mm-hmm. but i'm just saying i i think that alabama can feasibly feasibly sit down with anybody. Right. And they're going to sit down with them and talk mm-hmm. about it and think about it. So, all bets are off, man. I you know, I don't know exactly who it's going to be. Uh but it's going to be a small pool of guys that that can really carry the torch. They don't want Alabama is not going back. They're not going back. They're not going back to the Mike Shula days. Oh, they're not doing that. They they just <laughs> they're not going to do that or that coach will not be there long. So, it's going to be fun to watch this process. And see how that shift really impacts college football. Because it's going to be somebody with a big job right
1: now. Bet online before Dan Lanning made his announcement, had uh, the odds already lowered on Dan Lanning. This morning at 7 o'clock, he was minus 300 to be the new head coach. Then they shifted it to minus 150. Now, of course, Mm. with Lanning announcing. So, the feeling is they knew a little something. Something was going on. Mike Norvell this morning at 7 a.m. was plus 1,000. Right now, he is plus Mm -hmm. 150. And DeBoer was plus 800 this morning. Now he's plus 200. So those are two guys that the odds have moved way up, like, they may know a little something.
2: Well, yeah, and I don't know DeBoer's background. We were talking about him earlier. Christian mentioned him, and certainly a guy that just coached the national championship game would be an attractive option, I would think, Quinn. But how important do you think the fit is from a regional standpoint, having some experience in this part of the country, coaching, understanding the fan bases, that kind of thing? Because, I mean, look, Washington's a great program, and they've had some really, really high-level success over the years, not just this year, but going back 20, 30 years. But coaching in Seattle is not the same as coaching in Tuscaloosa.
0: Yeah. Well, I I think being uh, not being naive about the SEC, not being naive about the expectations of Alabama, because a lot of coaches want to have that cachet that Nick Saban has. But a lot of people don't know what it took to get there. They don't know what what he's doing every single day. I think that job is an animal job. And and so, you know, uh, you really got to understand that. But I think first and foremost, Alabama is looking for the best football coach. Uh, I think that that's going to be the priority that they're looking for. I think understanding the, the the SEC and understanding the South is 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 important. And Nick Saban was one of those guys who spent time at the L, at LSU and and uh, knew knew the SEC. I think that that helps. And understanding the grind that you have to deal with, uh, and and how you have to fight for players, and you know all the transfer portal and all that kind of stuff. I just think they're going to be looking for the best football coach. And and the coach at Washington, I mean, he is a great, great football coach. He could be somebody that they would take a look at as well. But I I just don't know that he has the track record right Right. now. I mean, he's done great at Washington. I just think that they're going to be looking for somebody who's done it over a, a long period of time that still has a lot of runway that can really keep Alabama moving in the right direction. What about Norvell? as a fit do you think and i'm also guessing he's got a pretty sizable bio
1: and he is the yeah. paul bear bryant coach of the year just announced congratulations
2: former uca bear way to go mike
0: yeah yeah i mean he is he is taking his career to a new level i mean especially with what they did at, at florida state this past season i mean he's a, he's a guy who can coach i mean there's no doubt about it i just wonder about oh, man i don't i don't know man i florida state is a big job, and you got to replace a legend like a you know a Bobby Bowden. I mean, he's always looming over you, and that's what Nick Saban and Bear Bryant is going to do at Alabama. So, he's got some things that uh, that could help him out in that job. I just, man. Mm-hmm. When you step into that job, you <laughs> I don't know if the grass is always greener in that particular situation because that is going to be a bear of a job. But Mike Norvell is no doubt one of the best coaches in the country. And uh, he's definitely going to be on that short list. Yeah,
2: well, at least for him there, there was some pad in between. Like he wasn't the next guy after right, right. about it and yeah following Saban I don't care who you are it's going to be tough but the mm. one thing Norvell could argue is if I go undefeated at Alabama they ain't leaving me out of the playoff <laughs> I don't care what my quarterback's yeah. doing and now if they're going to 12 it's a non-issue anyway but still
1: so
0: yeah you're right about that I, I yeah he, he's going to have an opportunity and that's I think that's what a lot of coaches are going to look at too man I think that that's a good point that nobody's really talking about I mean can I still get to the college football playoff and not have to take a job like that with all the pressure. So, I, you know, that that could be a component that they take a look at. I'd be like, man, if I can get in and, and get my players and get uh, my team ready to go in a 12-team playoff, maybe I don't have to deal with that that scrutiny day in and day out. But mm-hmm. when you're at that level, the guys that are going to get a look at this job, they're dealing with scrutiny on a daily basis. So oh, no. uh, it shouldn't bother
2: Yeah, the ironic thing is that Norvell couldn't get an undefeated team into the playoff, and – if he's at Alabama and he loses twice, he'll still be in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> With 12 teams.
1: 10-2, you're yeah. in.
0: So,
2: anyway, uh, what did you think of the championship game, Quinn?
0: Oh, man, I was really shocked. I, you know, I really thought, and we talked about it, uh, that, that Michigan was, was going to have to run the football and be very physical at the point of attack, and they were. I mean, they just absolutely ate Washington up on that little counter draw. Um, just, I mean, touchdown after touchdown, they were able to run the football. You can see Michigan was the most physical team. There's no doubt about it, but I thought Washington with, um, you know, Penix and his three wide receivers, they were going to cause a lot of problems, but Michigan was very, very physical with Penix. I mean, they, I, I thought they disrupted him. That's the first time that I really saw him like miss throws, like miss really open throws. And there was a, like a key third down in that first half that he missed that could have changed the game. Uh, but he was just a little off, and you've got to give Michigan a lot of credit uh, at what they did. I mean, they attacked, they hit him, and uh, to me that was the difference in the football game. But, but, but Michigan was, was physical. And to me, uh, when you can run the football, stop the run, get after the quarterback, those three components are going to lead you to a championship, and that's what took place.
1: Quinn, I had a theory. Let me throw this at you. I feel like all week, by looking at the game plan, there were a lot of quick, short throws that Washington was doing. And I feel like that was their game plan. We're going to get the ball out of his hands. We're going to beat this pass yep. rush. And they were just preaching it all week. Quick, get the ball out of your hands. Let's go, you know, go, go, go. And there, there were times, and I think we're thinking of the same play when the receiver's running down the field wide open, he, just a little patience. You know, just it, it mm-hmm. was like he was hurried and rushed. And he wasn't on that play. There was no one around him. Just yep. if he takes his time and throws it, I just wonder if they had preached that so much in his mind all week. He was trying to get rid of the ball so quickly that sometimes it, it caused him to be inaccurate and miss wide-open receivers by not seeing them. If he had taken the time to look, he had guys running down the field wide open.
0: No, I think that that, that plays a part uh, in, in in his play and, and, and what he's trying to do from a quarterback perspective. You know, he knew Michigan from a, looking at the tape, they were going to come. And, and a lot of times Michigan was not bringing like six Uh, five and six. I mean, they were just doing a nice job of scheming up and, and bringing what they needed to bring to get pressure while still having coverage. Um, You know, I thought in some of those situations where you knew the, where you got the football out really, really quickly, maybe that's one of those times where you go, you know what, let's go ahead and match protect right here. And I, and and we may have all not (laughs) eight guys blocking and I got two guys out on the, on the, on the route. And uh, I'm just going to let them see if they can go win. You got those type of receivers at Washington. Uh, but they, they never really tried to take advantage of that. And Michigan was playing a, a single high safety a lot of times back there deep to really try to keep the deep ball from happening. But, um, yeah, I, I thought that they just impacted him and affected him in a lot of different ways mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to give that defense a, a lot of credit uh, for what they did because slowing them down. And and, and we talked about it, West, uh, the week last week. I thought that Michigan was – Pretty prepared for a team like Washington, simply because in the Big Ten they were getting ready for C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, Chris Olave. Those guys. Ohio State kind of went to that format, and so they they kept their physicalness, but then they were also to be able to they were able to play finesse and disrupt the quarterback, and that's what won them the game. Quinn, Bo
2: going to the Senior Bowl. Congrats to him. Obviously not a great season for that offensive line, but glad to see him getting some personal recognition. It was also announced, I saw this in Tom Murphy's story this morning in the Democrat Gazette, A.J. Green to Oklahoma State. Apparently, if you can't beat him, run against him. I don't know what the deal is there. Anyway, but he's uh, going to be playing against Arkansas potentially next
0: year when the Hogs go to Stillwater. Well, when you go to the senior, you get that invite to the Senior Bowl. That's that's one of the most prestigious ones you can get. Mm-hmm. I mean, that this it's so high profile down there. It's scouts, I mean, all the scouts are down there. I mean, general managers are down there. So you have an opportunity to make a shift in in your draft projections. Uh, so congratulations to Bo. I mean, that's that's a great opportunity for him, and uh, I, I know he'll be excited about that. And then AJ Green, I mean, yeah, he's back in the state of Oklahoma. Headed to Stillwater. We're gonna to have to see him next year, mm-hmm. and so it'll be interesting to see how Mike Gundy uses him. But I think I think Oklahoma State just got their big running back back, right? I mean, uh,
2: they're they're a top twenty preseason, so I assume he is coming yes, back. Yes, he is. I saw
1: a tweet yeah, saying played, they could have the best running back combination in the Big Twelve. That's yeah, annoying. that's
0: gonna be that's gonna be thunder and lightning for sure. Yeah. I mean. uh yeah, big boy uh, from uh, Oklahoma State can really tote it. He can get downhill, and he's fast as well. I and mean, then you drop in an A.J. Green. Mm-hmm. That's going to give Mike Gundy a whole lot of toys to p- to play with. Well, that's just great!
2: <laughs> anyway, Quinn, before we let you go, give me an uh, upset this weekend in the NFL. you got a couple of home underdogs this week with the Texans and the Lions. No, the Lions no, are favored. The Buccaneers. I'm sorry, the Buccaneers, thank you, on mm-hmm. Monday. Mm-hmm uh dolphins at chiefs packers at cowboys Steelers at bills rams on the road i like the rams on the road honestly catching three but anyway what do you think
0: Mm -hmm. i'm with you on that i'm a rams guy and i do believe that sean McVay has done a great job of just really navigating all the injuries that the rams have had Mm -hmm. and still giving them an opportunity to get into the playoffs i mean puka nakua was was probably the biggest pickup that they they found because he was able to keep them on track and then the emergence of Kyron Williams has been really, really good. Sean McVay is a tough, tough out. So first upset, just simply because they're not favored. I'm going with the Rams over the Lions. And then the second one, I'm going with, uh, and you got to pay money to watch it, I guess, on Peacock. I'm going with uh, the Dolphins over the Chiefs. I, okay. I just think that even though it's going to be like the wind chill is going to be negative, something, something, something. Um, I I hope it's only negative something-something. If it's something-something-something,
2: it's going to be bad, dude. Somebody's going to die up there.
0: And I know Miami does not like that, but I'm going with the Dolphins to beat the Chiefs. I just don't know if they're going to be able to generate enough offense, even though Patrick says, hey, we're ready to go.
2: Yeah, I'll take four and a half with the Dolphins, I think. I don't know if I like them to win, but I think they can hang in there. And look, when you get to zero, I've been saying this all week, as a guy who grew up in the Midwest, when you hit zero, I worked in northern Minnesota for a year, too. I don't care if you live there or if you're visiting there or if you've never been there before. It sucks, and there ain't no way to make it good. So the 11 dudes on the field, the only ones that are not dying, everybody else standing over there on the sideline, I don't care how many heaters you got, it's awful. So when you're moving around, you're not thinking about it. But, man, when you're on the sideline, it blows. So we'll see. But I, I think it'll be a close uh, close game. And, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can generate offense on a freezing cold day. So anyway. All right, Quinn, thanks, buddy. I appreciate you. I get This is it, it.
0: This is it. As Kenny this Loggins once sang, yes. <laughs> well, you know, I want to appreciate Eric Sward and Bell and Sword for sponsoring this segment, and uh, can't thank them enough. It's been great. Hopefully, y'all do it again next year.
1: <laughs> We're
2: in. I'll get them signed up right now. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> All right, buddy. See ya.